great thou art. Not how great thou was or how great thou will be, but how great thou art. Skeeter sings a song, he's not the God who one time did, he's the God, or not the God that one time was, but he's the God that is. Talking about, Mary, did you know that he would touch the eyes of the blind, the ears of the deaf, he'd call forth the dead. He'd do miracle after miracle after miracle. Might I remind you that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. Now, I'm going to address, address a delicate subject with some. And it's the ingredients for the miraculous. The word miracle, miraculous things, miracles, intimidate and scare a lot of people and understandably so because there are wolves in sheep clothing that have devoured, merchandised, made open show and profited from those things. The devil has always had a counterfeit for the real thing that God has. But because the devil has counterfeits does not mean that there aren't real miracles. I'm going to ask you a very simple question and I want everyone under the sound of my voice to participate in this question. How many of you believe in miracles? Raise your hand. Okay. Pretty much everybody raised their hand. For those of you that did not raise your hand, let me tell you this. If you don't believe in miracles, then you don't believe in salvation. Because salvation is the greatest of all miracles. What's needed for a miracle? One, something that's impossible with man to do. Two, is you need a miracle worker. You need someone that's greater, of more significance, has more power than man. And did not Jesus in Matthew 28 stand and say one of my favorite proclamations, All power in heaven and earth is mine. Might I remind you of what I said just a minute ago? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not grown old, feeble, and senile. He's not changed. He still has the ability and the desire to do the miraculous. Don't let the word miracle frighten you away. Now, there are scriptural ways to follow scriptural things to observe and we will do our best at open range to honor that but I want to talk to you tonight from Acts chapter 3 verse 1 very very familiar passage of scripture 
my comments won't be long. The scripture basic that we're going to read basically preaches itself. I'm going to ask you in this place if you need a miracle in your life, in your family, in your business, in your home. I want you to listen as attentively as you can because of the simplicity of God's word that will is able to do what he has sent it to do. And I want you to know that I believe God has laid this message on my heart tonight in its simplest form. And I'm believing God to do miracles in your life. I'm believing God that tonight some people's sins are going to be cleansed and they're going to receive the work that Jesus completed on Calvary. I believe there are going to be some physical healings tonight from diseases and sicknesses. I believe there's going to be some healing come forth in some relationships that have been severed and broken. I believe that there's going to be some healing take place. You didn't even come for healing. I want you to know the morning that I got saved, I wasn't there to be saved. I was just tired of being like I was. And the Lord changed me. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. That's about three in the afternoon. Being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful. To ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked. And entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed by, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people and he said, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness that we have made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is, in, is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. The ingredients for the miraculous starts with they were given to prayer in verse 1. I ask you today a simple question. How is your prayer life? A lot of people say, how's your love life? Well, how's your prayer life? 
Sad to say, most people's prayer life consists over asking the Lord's blessing over the food, and we should do that. It consists of calling on the name of the Lord when we're in trouble. And I've done that plenty of times. Oh God, just get me out of this. I won't do it ever again, I promise. <laughs> and you know what? I really meant it. But my flesh was weak. And God get me out and like a dog returning to his vomit. I was back doing the same old stuff. Doing the same old thing. But how is your prayer life? Prayer life, we sometimes over-spiritualize it. And the Lord warns us about that when he says, When you pray, don't pray as the heathen do, for they think they're heard for their much speaking. In other words, don't worry about speaking these eloquent, beautiful prayers. The key to prayer is when you pray, believe. How is your prayer life? Prayer life is simply communion, communication with God. By the way, this is an important part. Communication is two-way. When you get done with your letting your needs and requests be made known unto God, how about being quiet for a little bit? Allow the voice of the Lord, the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Meditate on scripture that you know. Spend time with him and just simply talk to him like you and I would talk going down the road. Riding your horse to the back 40. Lord, I'm going down here to check that old cow that I think is about ready to have a calf. Now I know there's a rotten tree hanging over that fence. And if you just see to it that tree hadn't fell across my fence and that cow's out. I promise I'll quit procrastinating and I'll get a saw and I'll get down here and cut that tree off. See, that's praying. Just talking to God. Amen. Man, how many times have any of us that are cowboys seen something unusual? We drive up to the barn and your horse is laying down when he ought to be up, when we think he ought to be up grazing. And then you go, oh Lord, I hope help him not to be colicking. Help him not to be sick, Lord. Only to find out he's out there working on his tan. He's just laying out there sunning. <laughs> but communion with God. Talking to God. How's your prayer life? Grade your own papers and if need be, need to work on that. Secondly, in verse 2, we've got to learn to simply ask Nowhere in the Bible can you show me, I've not yet found it, where he says, when you pray, beg. Doesn't say that. One of my mom's famous sayings, and y'all have heard me use it before, she says, son, just put all your bags in one basket. How true. God doesn't expect us to beg. He expects us to come boldly before His throne of grace where we might obtain mercy and help in our time of need. Let our need be known to Him. He already knows. But He wants us to ask. He says, you have not because you ask not. And if you ask, you ask amiss. Meaning what? Not expecting. Just thinking your words are words. He wants us to, when we ask, expect. I'm going to move on. That'll preach right there. Because that's my next point in verse 5. There was an expectation. When, they, when Peter and John said, look on us. 
That man's expected. Now what he expected, he didn't get. He was expecting some money, some alms. That's what he had asked for. What that man really, what he thought he needed wasn't what he really needed. What he really needed was to be healed, to be made well and made whole where he could get up off of that begging cot and go get him a job and have a pocket full of money. Somebody should have said amen. Thank you, Lord. Glad you're listening. I, I keep coming back for the last two months. I know it's being redundant, but some of you must be in that slow learner's class. <laughs> to up our expectancy level of God. I don't want us to be like the people in his own hometown where he could do no great miracle there. Why? Because of their lack of unbelief or the lack of belief. Because of their lack of expectancy. Listen, we've got to shake ourselves spiritually speaking. And we've got to recognize it. Why do we go to church? Answer that to yourself right now. Why do I go to church? Why do we come? I've heard businessmen, not here, but I've heard businessmen in church say, man, it's a great place to get business. <laughs> Some go because it makes you look socially accepted in the community. Some go to meet girls. There's a pretty one right here. We go for all kinds of different reasons, but the reason we should go to church is said, forsake not yourselves assembling together and do it even more as you see the Lord approaching. Why? Because we need to cooperately worship. And we need to speak words of encouragement into each other because every one of us go through times in our life. You remember the story of Moses? How when he'd hold his hands up, Israel would prevail. When his hands would come down, they'd begin to lose. So Aaron got on one side, Hur got on the other side. They set him down on a rock and they held his hands up. At some point in time, you're going to need to be sitting on that rock and us holding your hands up. And at other times, you're going to need to be on the side holding our hands up while I sit on the rock for a while. But it's time that we come to church for the proper reasons of worshiping and adoring a God that is worthy to be praised and worthy of worship and is holy and is righteous and he inhabits those praises and we as we worship and praise him and as we get to know one another and not just recognize the back of someone's head but to begin to learn each other's names then we as we're filled with the spirit and have discernment of the spirit we recognize and say is there something I can pray with you about and she begins to open up and we begin to encourage one another. And we begin to pray for one another. That's what the Bible says to do. To encourage one another. To pray for one another. So that our joy can be full. So that's up our expectancy. Fourthly in verse 6. We see that Jesus is the message. Plain and simple. Jesus is the message. A lot of teachings out there, a lot of sayings out there. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the litmus test. 
If you want to find out what a particular denomination or a particular group stands for, ask them to tell you who Jesus is. Yes, he was a prophet. Yes, he was a teacher. Yes, he was a good man. Yes, he was a miracle worker. But he's God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word. Oh, verse 14. And the Word became flesh as Jesus and dwelt among men. He's come as a sacrifice, shed that pristine, pure blood for sinful man. If, we, if they say he's anything beside the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, God's Son, you better not listen to anything else they got to say. Because Jesus is the litmus test. Preach Jesus. I was traveling. My sister Patsy years ago had uh, a kidney removed out at Duke University. And I was preaching out on the East Coast. And I went up to Carolinas there and was there when she had her kidney replaced and uh, removed. And I left there to go to Tunica, Mississippi to a roping that's just south of Memphis, Tennessee. And I had happened to have, Ford happened to have blessed me with a new truck. And, you know, you get, I don't know, three or six months, something like that, free serious radio. And I don't listen to the radio much anyway. But I happened to turn the radio on. And there was this old black preacher over there in Mississippi. And when I tell you, he was shucking the corn. He was shucking the corn now. He was preaching. And he made a statement that I've never forgotten. Quote. It's the preaching of Jesus in his fullness that subpoenas a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When you preach Jesus in his fullness, the power of the Holy Spirit is present to convict, to draw, to save, to heal, to do what needs to be done. And if the message is anything but Jesus, I don't want anything to do with it. He's more than enough. More than enough. Fifthly, in verse 7, we found that these two disciples were willing to help, hands-on, that they reached down and took him by the hand. Sometimes you will find yourself being the hand of God extended and reaching out to those that are in need. Sometimes you'll find yourself, it's the way it's supposed to be, I'm not teaching anything the Bible doesn't say. But you'll find yourself being the one to lay hands on the sick. You'll find yourself being the one to, in the book of James, taking oil and anointing and praying for people. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And who raises them up? The Lord. You're not the healer. You're a conduit to whom He works. If you're sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord, don't just run around doing things on your own. That's when you get in the flesh. That's when you get in trouble. You have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say and then you do it, but you've got to be willing to get involved. Sixth, in verse 8, said they praised God. We've got to get to a place that matters not where we are, who we're with, what's going on, that we're not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation. We've got to get to a place that we're not... We're not 
intimidated about standing up and telling of the goodness of God and glorifying God. We've got to get beyond that poor pitiful woe is me and recognize that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Brand new creation in Him because old things have passed away and He's made me new and He's put His Spirit in me and greater is He that liveth in me than he that is in the world. We've got to get to that place that it's just basically almost bring it on, devil. Because you are, as a child of God, filled with His Spirit, armed with His Word, capable of praising Him and accomplishing great things. Number 7, verse 12. They were humbled. I want you to listen to this. I love it. I love it. And when Peter saw it, in other words, they were mesmerized at all this, he answered the people and he said, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? We could stop there for just a minute. In other words, why do you even... Let this move you that this man's walking who was crippled. These are things that we should expect. Because the Lord has said, These things that you've seen me do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. Not because you're greater. But He's calling us to step out. He's calling us to stay humble. So He goes on to say, Why marvel ye at this? Or... Why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? We can't do it of ourselves. But with him, I can do all things. Number 8, verse 13. He glorified Jesus has glorified Jesus, has glorified His Son, Jesus. Whatever our hands find to do, the Word says to do it with all of our might, unto the Lord. Who is the Lord? Jesus. In Him I live and move and have my being. The essence of who I am and what I'm about, my motive should be about Jesus. It should be about living for Him. Him living through me. Him using me to bring glory to Him. And He will do that with you. Verse 9. I mean number 9, verse 16. Faith. And His name through faith. Listen to this. In His name that hath made this man strong. Whom you see and know. The faith which is in, is by Him hath given Him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So they were given to prayer. There was an expectancy. Jesus is the message. They're willing to help. They praised God. They were humble. They glorified Jesus. They acted in faith. Jesus did everything else. And he will do it again. Tonight. Right now. Bow your heads. You're in this place and you need a miracle. Matters not if it's financial, relational, physical, or whatever. I want you to stand to your feet real quick. Just stand up. Don't matter who else is doing what. This is all about you. 
Now I want you to begin to pray and ask God specifically what it is that you need in your life while I pray for all of you. Lord, I thank you for the step of faith and standing tonight, Lord, saying, there's something in my life that's bigger than me. And God, we ask you now, we call upon you to do something great and mighty in the midst and in the lives and in the hearts of these people. Lord, do it in such a profound way that no man can take credit or glory. Lord, in cases there will be some who will have medically documented reports from the doctor that they've been healed. Lord, we simply ask you to do what man cannot do. We ask you, Lord, to heal bodies, to heal relationships, to give people wisdom and direction beyond their own to help heal their finances. Lord, whatever that miracle is in their place, in their life, in their heart, Lord, we just give it to you tonight. Now we pray that you'd give wisdom beyond their own and that, Lord, that you would speak to them and that right now the peace of God that surpasses understanding would come and rule and reign in the hearts and the lives and the minds of these who stand before me tonight and before you. Lord, we take authority and dominion over the devil who is a destroyer. We bind him in the name of Jesus. We tell him he has no business and no authority in God's people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. If you're here tonight and you're lost, and if you were to die, you'd go to hell. But you'd like to repent and give your life to Jesus and have your sins forgiven. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you right now very quickly across this place. If you'd say, Dennis, that's me. I'm tired of living in sin, but I want to get things right with God tonight. Is there anybody here like that? You say, that's me. Can I see your hand? Just slip it up. Slip it right back down. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? In the balcony. Anyone? Back on the floor. Anyone? Thank you, young lady. Anyone else? Anyone else? This is your moment. This is your time. Prodigal son or daughter? Once walked close with God, but you've drifted and strayed and are away. You recognize tonight that you need to come to your Father. He didn't leave you. You left Him. Anybody here like that, you'd say, Dennis, that's me. Would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody anywhere, real quickly. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you, ma'am. The Word simply says, To that sinner that's never given their heart to the Lord, you believe that Jesus is God's son that came to this earth was tempted and tried in all ways as you and I but he stayed without sin and he died a cruel death but he rose from the dead three days later the mighty victor over death hell and the grave and he has the ability and the power and the desire right now to cleanse your sins. He said if we believe that in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, then we're saved. For those of you that are prodigal sons and daughters that raised your hand, the word says this simply, Beloved, I would that you sin not. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the Lord. Jesus is your attorney. He's pleading your case. He's simply waiting on you to say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Cleanse me. So as we pray, those of you that raised your hands, whether it was 
to come back to the Lord or our first time salvation, would you pray with me? My prayers can't save you. You must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart so that you can receive what Christ has for you. So let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I do believe that you're God's son. And you loved me enough to die for me. But you didn't stay dead. You walked out of a grave. And you hold in your hands life. So I ask you today to forgive me of my sins. To cleanse me with your blood. To come into my life. And save me. Now help me Lord. To learn your voice. To learn your ways. So that I can live a overcoming life. That brings glory to you. And pleasure to me. In Jesus precious name I pray. Amen. And amen. Now for those of you that were just saved, it's important that you be baptized. We got a baptismal coming up here. Nathaniel's going to tell you about that in a couple of weeks. Be happy to baptize you here. If you have a home church somewhere else or you want to be baptized somewhere else, go right ahead. That's fine. But it's important that you do that. And I do want to make one announcement because Nathaniel doesn't know as much about it as I do. And it's